What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint and your walk toward eternity. Uh, here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from uh, evangelization, scripture, catechesis, discipleship, justice, charity, relationship advice, and the list will go on. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint. However, my disclaimer is this. I'm not perfect. I am not infallible. Therefore, every now and then the advice I give to you might not actually be good for you. Therefore, if that is the case, I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer, in the sacraments, in scripture, so that our God can give you the grace that you might need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. I would love to encourage you to share this show on your social media pages and to comment on uh, the different iTunes or the podcast formats because this helps other people to find out about the gift of the show. If it's helpful for you, potentially it can become helpful for them as well. Before I dive into the topics today, I want to share with you an important announcement. We have a new process for you to submit your questions. Moving forward, if you would like to submit a question for the podcast, please fill out a form on my podcast page at ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. That's ascensionpress.com slash A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. Ask Father Josh, spell the whole thing out. You can uh, find a link to the form in the description of this episode and all episodes in the future. This new way of submitting your questions will help me and my team to better organize your questions. So thank you for your help. Uh, also, if you want to stay in connection with me, then you could uh, order my books, Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, and Pocket Guide to Adoration, as well as you could join me every single Sunday on Ascension Press's Facebook page at 7 o'clock a.m. Central Time, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Uh, and then uh, you can go to my parish website, olohr.com if you want to watch that mass um, throughout the week um, as well or get plugged into any of our ministries and support us in the work that we're doing uh, here at Holy Rosary. Uh, today's topics, we are going to discuss evangelization at work. How do we form intentional disciples of Jesus Christ in the workplace environment? How can I be a good godparent and how can we support our local priests whenever they are being persecuted by other people in our community? But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. Coffee is so good. Coffee in the morning, coffee in the evening, coffee at supper time. Y'all had a long day yesterday. So now I'm not only pastor of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Santa Maria, Louisiana, but I'm also the director of vocations for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And so, uh, yeah, man, the days have been long lately. And uh, yeah, so coffee has been a gift to me because I've been drinking it in the morning and then I 
I've been actually drinking it. I drank some last night because I was just so tired and I still had work to do when I got back to my parish from the vocations office that I was like, man, I need, I've never done this, but I'm gonna drink coffee at night. And I did it and I was still able to sleep. So it kept me up just long enough to where I was able to get some important work done for the parish. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I was able to sleep at night. But my glory story is this. So in my diocese at our chancery in our Catholic Life Center, we used to have this uh, this mural, this huge painting up that was done in the 70s of this, this Catholic priest from New Rose, Louisiana, who owned slaves. And he uh, was blessing the rebel flag. Uh, and whenever the South lost the war, he, he was very upset because obviously, you know, he wanted to keep his slaves and he wanted to, and he was very much a, a Judas, right? Uh, a broken priest who we pray converted before he died, right? We, we pray that God was merciful to him and he repented before his death. But nonetheless, in this painting, he's blessing the rebel flag. And there's this huge mural of that. And it was a, it was a mural of that and some other things that happened in the history of our land. And, um, but it never, like, there was no description of what was going on in the painting. It was just this big old painting. And so since I was in seminary, I would walk past this image and I was always like, man, offended by it, um, as was pretty much every other black person who walked in the, the Catholic Life Center, the Chancery. Uh, and so a number of years ago when Alton Sterling was shot and killed uh, by a member of the law enforcement here in Baton Rouge, uh, there was a lot of racial tension that was on the news um, that was uh, in the community being discussed um, every day. And so my bishop invited me to sit at the table with him to form a new commission uh, for racial harmony in our diocese to help the people of our community to come together to fast and to pray and to work together um, to to form uh, communities and civilizations of love. And so it was very beautiful. We, we did Eucharistic Holy Hours of Adoration together. Uh, we did we hosted an event for the six African-Americans in the path to becoming saints we uh, encouraged the entire diocese to to fast and, and to pray together, and um, and we hosted lectures and workshops. But but before we did all that, I said to the bishop, I said, "Look, if we really want to do a lot of good work in our community, we got to address what's in this house here at the chancery." So there's a huge painting downstairs, a huge mural right outside the vocations office, and uh, and it's just it's offensive, and it's not a bridge for people to come to the sacraments. A lot of people of color who will see that image will find it to be a barrier. So I would, I would encourage us to put that mural in the archives. We have an archives place in the diocese where we have all of our history and it could be somewhat like a museum and you could go there and you could learn about the history and you could learn that they're having priests in our diocese um, who uh, are in Louisiana, who owned slaves and who, who were not faithful to the teachings of Jesus Christ and who did terrible things to people. And like, that's all the history that we can go learn there, but we, we don't need to like display that in the, in this place, you know, like where, where people come here for annulments and people come here to be discipled. And it's, it's just, it's so long story short, we were able to remove that painting and put in the archives. So now it's a historical piece where we're able to educate people on the history of the church in Baton Rouge, members of the body of Christ. And we replaced it recently, um, through collaborating with the office of black Catholics and the racial Army commission and the leadership of our Bishop, we replaced it with the these beautiful images, portraits of these six African-Americans who are on the path to becoming canonized saints. Mother Henri DeLille, uh, Pierre Toussaint, uh, Father Augustus Tolton, Mother Mary Lange, Julie Greeley, and Sister Thea Bowman. And it was so beautiful for me. The other day I was at the office and I was witnessing uh, a number of African-Americans who were standing in front of the, these beautiful images of the six African-Americans on the path to becoming saints, as well as this beautiful image of the Madonna and child Jesus. And they were just gazing at this artwork. They were gazing at the artwork. And I know some of these people 
and uh, who were gazing at the artwork, and I know that they are not Catholic. Uh, and it was it was a gift because I was like, man, this artwork could be used by God to draw these people to the Catholic Church. Like this could draw them to see themselves represented um, as as saints, as necessary members of the community. Whereas the other image was like a clear depiction of a, of, of a priest who owns slaves who was blessing the rubber flag of like that that gave a message, even if it was unintentional, it gave a message to people of color. And so this this new artwork. As simple as it is, artwork is a bridge, and it's a bridge um, and not a barrier for people to come to Jesus. So now that I, and this artwork is literally right outside of my office at the Catholic Life Center in our chancery because my office is right next to it. So I, I get to see it every every time I go in there and I ask for their intercession and the work I'm doing to promote holy and healthy vocations to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, representation is very important. So I just want to encourage you um, in your homes to put up images of all the saints, to put up um, images of St. Kateri, to Kekwitha, our first Native American saint, to put up images of St. Joseph and Makita, to put up images of St. John Paul II, to put up images of Mother Teresa of Calcutta and St. Padre Pio, to put up images of St. Marky Tai Ching, so that your kids and your family members and your friends, when they come over your homes, they can see diverse images of holiness and they can see themselves represented in, in, the, um, in the mystical body of Christ. They, they can recognize that they too can be holy. Representation is so important. I think that's why, you know, Black Panther, uh, the, uh, the man who played Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, he passed away this past weekend. Man, it's, um, I, I think one of the reasons why so many people took it so hard, not only was he just a virtuous man and a phenomenal actor, um, but because for so many years, um, people of color had not seen themselves represented on that kind of a big budget film as the main characters and as as the predominant characters of a cast. You know, normally there was like one person of color on the superhero team, but this one was like a whole cast of of beautiful black people that were represented um, throughout a film and in such a dignified way. It did so much for for our community. And so, um, so many people have just been grateful for him, for the influence and the impact that he has made um, through his art, through, through, through movies. So representation is super important. Um, I remember watching the movie Black Panther with my nephew and seeing the way he looked at that character um, that Chadwick Boseman played, because uh, we watch superhero movies all the time. It was so beautiful to see there was like a difference in the way he, he, he related to this character than any other character before. So yeah, so it's good to see. We're grateful for the gift of Chadwick Boseman, but representation is just, it's very important, not only in our movies, but also in our churches and our saints and the artwork that we display in our homes at the chanceries and our hospitals and our schools and our churches. And so, um, and cool. Another glory story real quick. I know I'm like rambling, but it's really important. Another glory story is one of my friends uh, who is a campus minister at a Catholic high school, Emily Froba. She noticed that there were two St. Michael statues in her school um, that depicted, you know, St. Michael as the white man and, and, and Satan looking like a black or brown man. And so, you know what she did? She got both those statues repainted um, to where they're non-human um, looking colors of of Saint Michael and Satan. So praise Jesus Christ for that. So like it, it was that simple as she noticed it and she was like, oh like we this is I, I I get it. I get it that this is offensive to our kids. I'm gonna get this repainted. And she did. So again representation is super important. And so that's my glory story is that um yeah representation matters. Now let me sip on my my coffee that looks brown like me. Mmm half black half white that's some good coffee. All right. Now, before we get into our topics, I have a quick feedback coming in from Colette. Uh, 
My name is Colette. I go by Lonnie. Colette, I go by Lonnie. I wonder if is Lonnie your middle name? Uh, yeah. So I've been listening to your podcast for the past few weeks. Well, I don't really have a question, but more of a glory story. Since the beginning of COVID, I realized I needed to pray for humanity and my family for God to help us during difficult times that we had to endure and still face. I started to pray the rosary every day. Praise Jesus Christ. That is the prayer Mary asks us to pray in every apparition. So shout out to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mainly in my car on my way to and from work, which I realized is my personal time with God. I started lukewarm, but I heard something in my soul to pray more strongly. I decided to really focus on the holy mysteries, and it made prayer so much more fruitful. Then uh, BLM happened, and my soul was crushed. I was so sad for humanity, my brothers and sisters of color in Christ who were suffering. I was on social media all the time, and I just couldn't handle the negativity, so I consulted with my father, who trusts God so much. I decided to get off of social media. It was the best thing I did. I decided to pray for all who were suffering and sinning, even though I couldn't see them, and give myself and some peace uh, from social media. During this time, I finished reading St. Faustina's diary and decided to listen to a Catholic podcast, and yours came up when I was searching for them. I saw your picture. I was like, this priest seems kind of cool. He's in my age group, someone of color like me. I'm Hawaiian and Venezuelan. And I just got good vibes from it. However, I didn't listen to the podcast right away. During this time, unfortunately, I was still smoking weed quite a bit because I really didn't see anything wrong with it. God made weed and it didn't make me any less caring or kind in my eyes. Suddenly, I was questioning if it was a sin. And I would Google, go to confession, pray on it, and never got a clear answer. One day, I decided to Google if smoking weed was a sin again, and your podcast showed up on my search. And I was thinking, I have that podcast. So, I listened to your first episode and got my answer. Since then, I haven't been smoking. Trust me, I still miss smoking. This will be a challenging but doable thing. Thank you, Father Josh, for your advice and clarity on these life changes, challenges. Since then, I felt God's grace and it's feeling, a feeling I can't even describe. It's pure joy. Can't thank you enough, Father Josh. God bless you. Yours in Christ. Lonnie B. Also, I'm a big Marvel fan, Marvel nerd. Wakanda forever. Yes, Wakanda forever. And um, I look forward to the day I get transferred to the Diocese of Wakanda so I can serve the people of that community. All right, now let's jump into our questions. First question comes in from Chris. Chris asks about evangelizing at work. Hey, Father Josh, thank you so much for the podcast. I love listening to it, and I and it constantly calls me on. My question for you regards corporate evangelism. I was wondering how you believe people should go about evangelization in the corporate space in today's society. If someone gets offended by something you say or interprets it something the wrong way, there can be a serious consequence. On the other hand, we are all called to be missionary disciples in some way. I was wondering if you had advice on how to approach spreading the gospel to people at work without overstepping boundaries or putting myself in a dangerous position. Best, Chris. Yeah, man. Um, God is calling lay people in the body of Christ to be the ones who go out in the world, right? The priests are called to minister to you so that you can go out to your workplace environments, to your schools, to your neighborhoods, to go places that we might not be invited to share Jesus Christ and to share the joy of the gospel. So what are some simple ways, Chris, that you can share Jesus Christ and the joy of the gospel in your workplace environment that you can evangelize people. Uh, I think there's some simple things you could do. Whenever you're on your lunch break, uh, before you eat your food, make the sign of the cross and say a blessing before meals. That can spark a conversation between you and your coworkers. Uh, also, 
have virtuous conversations with your coworkers um, as you spend time with them. Uh, I know sometimes at work, people can talk about their wives, or they talk about their kids, or they talk about politics, or they talk about other things um, that sometimes they degrade their wives, they, they, they dismiss um, politicians, and they uh, just speak ill of their children or their circumstances. So if you speak well of your wife, if you're married, if you speak well of your friends, if you if you speak well of politicians, if you bless them with your words, um, if you um, in, intentionally in conversation say, hey, hey, do you want to pray for that person? Those things right there can also elicit a deeper conversation for people to come to you, um, to trust in you and to share their hearts with you. And invest in friendships, right? Uh, disciples are formed through friendships, through intentional relationships. So uh, it's not and it's not easy to share the joy of the gospel when we have superficial relationships with our coworkers. But whenever you can invest in them and invite them over your house for coffee or for dinner or for breakfast, whenever you can go do things with them outside of work and become real friends with them, then when there's a friendship form and trust is established, then you can begin to share um, what God has been doing in your life. And they will be more readily available to listen to you because there's a friendship there. They care about you and they don't want to lose you as a friend. And so they're more open to hearing what you believe to be important, which is Jesus Christ and the sacramental life of the church he founded 2,000 years ago. Uh, and you can witness the gift of listening, and that would help them to even listen to you better by, by you being intentional with hearing their hearts and walking with them and being there to them, being a faithful friend to them. I find that whenever um, we are in a real relationship with other people, it's much easier to form disciples and to accompany disciples in their relationship with, with God. So those are just a few tips that I have for you, Chris. Let me know if those were helpful. Uh, our next question comes in from Martha. Martha writes this, uh, Father Josh, as a godparent of three children, uh, it has recently dawned on me the great responsibilities that I have to my godchildren. I frequently pray for them whenever I pray for all my nieces and nephews, but I feel like I should be doing more. What more can I do for them to help them grow in their faith? Yeah, so as a, as a godparent, you made promises um, at the baptism of your godchild to help the mother and the father of that child um, to be Christian parents. So the first thing that you can do um, is to intentionally invest in their parents, to hold the parents of the child, of the children, accountable to their relationship with Jesus Christ, to ask them how they are in their relationship with God. What's going on in their prayer? How long are they praying? What are they praying with? What do they perceive happening during prayer? What vices are operative in their life right now? What virtues can you help them to try to cultivate? Because right? they are the domestic church. The parents of that child are with the child most often. So the parents of that child have the responsibility of raising that child in a Christian home, of raising that child in the faith. So you can hold the parents accountable to being disciples of Jesus Christ. You can love those children well by holding the parents accountable to raising those children in the faith, to make sure that the parents aren't exposing their children to sin, right? We, we, that's one of the, in the promises that we, we try to help the kids to avoid sin, to grow in their faith, to grow in their relationship with God and the church. And so you can provide the parents with resources, uh, podcasts, videos, books, um, things that can help them to continue to be disciples so that they can cultivate a domestic church in their household. In addition to that, you can remind the ch children who they are. By virtue of their baptism, they are no longer just boys and girls who are made in the image of God, but they're also now the members of the body of Christ. They are the body of Jesus Christ. That's who they are. My senior S, if he was an exorcist, he is an exorcist up north. Um, he's not 
uh, he's older. <laughs> I said it was as if he passed away. Uh, he's still alive, and his spiritual director was Padre Pio, and uh, he was my spiritual director for an eight-day retreat, super holy dude. Anyways, he has this thing that he does where he always asks us, who are you? Who are you? And he's trying to get us to acknowledge that we are the body of Christ, that we are the body of Jesus. So you can always remind your godchildren of their identity. They are not the sum of their failures or mistakes. They're not the sum of their successes. They are the body of Jesus Christ. When the father looks at them, the father sees Jesus. And so always remind them that they are Jesus's body on earth. And if they believe that they're the body of Christ, then they will act like the body of Christ. And finally, the most important thing you can do for them is to pray for them, to fast for them, to pray your rosaries for them, your divine mercy chaplets, offer holy hours, offer up fastings for them, that they will become saints, that they will abide in relationship with God um, on earth as it is in heaven. So those are a few things that I think you could do. I think that you're doing a good job, Martha, and I think your question will help a lot of people out. All right. We are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we will dive into our final question about supporting your local priest. Hi, we're Jackie and Bobby Angel with Ascension Presents, and we wrote a book. Yay! Ta-da! It's on discernment, which is figuring out the will of God in your life, which can be an exciting and yet exhausting endeavor. It's called Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, Five Steps to Discerning God's Will. And we wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. You might know him. (laughs) You may know that guy. The book is concise, but there's lots of wisdom for any person that really wants to do God's will and it's a, it's a journey of trying to figure out what God wants for your life. And so there's a lot of wisdom from things we've learned along the way. There's testimonies and, and parts of our stories to help you out. Really, like this is a book I wish I had as a young adult. Like this would have helped me a lot in my 20s. Discernment is a question we get asked all the time. Where is God calling me? What am I called to? What vocation am I called to? How do I know if I'm supposed to take it? this job? How do I know this? So we wrote this book to help you along the way to give five steps to discern whatever decision you're making and hopefully to give that peace and that joy that will come from making that decision. And the, the main goal is to help you grow closer to God along the way. So maybe not you, maybe someone in your life is wrestling with a really tough decision and you want to give them some kind of resource or encouragement. It's for if you've got a big decision, period. Yeah. So go get your copy of Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry. Go buy one for a friend. Buy one for someone who's not your friend. Love your enemies. (laughs) Buy them this book. (laughs) Go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy today. And we are back. Just a quick reminder. For you, if you are a uh, returning listener, uh, if you want to send me a question, uh, you can go on my website, uh, my podcast page, ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out ask, spell out father, and spell out josh, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H, ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, and you can uh, fill out the, the form on that page that we have, and that will help us to better organize your questions for future shows. Uh, We've been getting some good questions, but we're trying to be a little bit more organized in our efforts to respond to them. Last question comes in from Christina. Christina, remember Christina um, Aguilera? She had that song, uh, I Turn to You. Oh, you know what? That wasn't even her song. She sang that song. Um, uh, That was actually um, a song from like all for us, all for us, all for one, uh, and she redid it. Um, hmm, check that out. That wasn't even her song, but it was called like "I Turn to You." Woo, 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 do, 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 do. 
when I'm something, something, something. Oh, that's Leanne Rhymes. Never mind. <laughs> okay. All right. So Christina writes, hey, Father Josh, how do I support my local priest? Recently, I've noticed that he is going through a tough time with a small group of parishioners who are negative and speaking untruths about him. My priest is compassionate, caring, and loves his parish family. He has gone above and beyond to help our parish. What specifically may I do to help him during this difficult time? Christina, thank you so much, Christina. That's a great question because, you know, priests, we, uh, gosh, some priests really do empty, empty ourselves for our people. And there are some people who are um, just always going to be negative and critical. And, and granted, some criticism is good because we can always love our bride better, but there's a constructive way to criticize a priest and a helpful way to criticize a priest and to help a priest to grow and be reformed and purified. And there's an unhelpful way. I've experienced that in my own priesthood. Um, I've encountered a few parishioners like that who are just negative and who gossip. And you know what? I, I pray for them. Um, and uh, But they can be draining at times. Uh, so what could be helpful for your priest? I think every priest is different. Every priest is a different personality and temperament. And so what would be helpful for me is if you did the following, is if you came to me and if like all I'm hearing is the, the negativity from this group of parishioners, a small group of parishioners, if you came to me and you share with me the supernatural fruit you are seeing, if you came to me and you helped me to see where I could grow, you're like, hey, Father, look, I love you so much. This is where you're doing good at. This is where I think you could do better. And if you had that conversation with me one-on-one -on -one and not behind my back. And so, but if you acknowledge like, hey, here's what they're saying. And, and like, here's where some truth might be there, Father, for you to be purified more. Because I ain't perfect, right? I'm not a saint yet. There's always need for reformation. Um, but like, so like, let me know to my face in a constructive way with like practical things I could do to be better. But also encourage me with what you're seeing in the parish to be supernatural fruit. That would be so helpful. Um, pray for your priest, fast for him. And then if you are aware of who is being negative and, and speaking untruths about him in the parish, that's a sin, then I think you have a responsibility to not only pray and fast for them, but to confront those people in a conversation um, and to invite them to repentance. Because if they're speaking untruths, then that is a very, very, very serious sin. Uh, I have had that happen to me before. Um, and so it's always good to just straight up confront them and to uh, fraternally correct them and to encourage them to to be like Christ. Uh, and Christ uh, doesn't uh, speak untruths, right? Uh, if Christ is a problem with somebody, Christ addresses it with the person. And so invite them. Like, if you have a problem with Father, why don't you go sit down with him? Why don't you go pray with him? And why don't you go share your heart and then invite him to listen to your heart and then you listen to his heart. Have a conversation. Um, and so sometimes... Uh, people, I don't know what it is about gossip, where, why people think gossip is not a serious sin. I, I just, I don't get it. You know, gossip is a serious sin and I don't understand why people think it's like, oh, I did a little bit of gossip here and there. Like gossip can be mortal at times. Gossip can be a mortal sin uh, at times. Not always, but it can definitely be at times. So like, like, don't, just don't, don't gossip. Uh, <laughs> pray more, pray. Now fast, fast from speaking. If, if you have something negative to say about somebody that it's not going to help them to grow in holiness, then fast from speaking and spend that time praying for them. My, my mentor, Dr. Tom Neal, always says for every critical word you say about somebody else, you pray for them for 10 minutes or 30 minutes, 10 to 30 minutes for every critical word, for every every time you spoke it. So uh, some of us got a lot of praying to do. All right. Speaking of praying, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, y'all. Love y'all very much. And I look forward to continuing our walk together toward eternity. 
All right. God bless.